0: And Welcome to a new Bunker Daily. I'm Roz Taylor. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, you can now support us on Patreon, the crowdfunding platform. Backers get lots of benefits, including an ad-free version of the podcasts, attractive mugs and t-shirts, and access to our next live stream on Thursday, the 11th of June. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast and find out how you can keep us in rude health. These are strange times for anyone who's been a Conservative The government is paying many people's wages, it's borrowing and spending money on a scale that would have made Jeremy Corbyn blanch, and it's pulling us out of a single market that was in large part the creation of Margaret Thatcher. Is there anything left of old-fashioned conservatism at all, and will anyone put it back together again one day? He left the Conservative Party last year to defeat Tory zealotry over Europe, but he was once a Conservative MP. Now he's a Times columnist and broadcaster. Talking to me today is Matthew Paris. Matthew, hello and welcome to The Bunker. Hello, Rose. What surprised you most about the way people have reacted to this crisis?
1: I haven't been very surprised by the reaction of Conservatives to the crisis. I, I am despondent about it, but, but not not entirely surprised. You You asked a moment ago is there anything left of old-fashioned conservatism? Old-fashioned conservatism actually does believe in the power and authority of the state. Uh, old-fashioned conservatism tends to believe in the obedience of citizens to the state, and old-fashioned conservatism tends to believe that needs must when the devil drives. And so in the case of a crisis like this, I, I would no more expect uh, old-fashioned conservatives to to be worrying about the cost to the state or the damage to the economy or, or or certainly wouldn't expect them to be making that their first priority than I would have before the Second World War when when it was obvious that uh, that the the the, um, the frugal state was out of the question and we just had to spend as much money as we needed. I think you've seen conservatism responding as conservatism probably always does to to uh, big. Existential crises. I'm, I'm sorry because I, I think we've forgotten the economy here and that we shouldn't have, but I'm not surprised.
0: The crisis has totally altered the relationship between the ordinary person and the government, and we've had to obey laws that we couldn't have imagined only six months ago. The idea of being confined to our homes except for an hour of exercise and shopping is just un- unimaginable then. Is this going to change, do you think, what we believe the state can do and is capable of? Is it going to make us more positive or or, or the opposite about, about the state's possibilities, if you like?
1: Well, it's certainly true that the, the response of the ordinary citizenry of, of, of Britain has been remarkably compliant, uh, Indeed, to the extent of people shopping their their neighbours for disobeying the rules. Again, that doesn't entirely surprise me. There is a sort of element of, um, of uh, I wouldn't call it subservience, but at least obedience does run through the, the English character. I think it's going to be harder for quite a while to make the case for individual liberty, just as it's going to be very much harder for quite a while to make the case that there doesn't exist a magic money tree slowly i hope we we'll, we'll get back to the the old verities um the the uh, the gods of the copybook headings but i i don't think we're going to for quite a while In, indeed a, a lot of people are now are complaining that they be they are being asked to take their own decisions they preferred it when the government was taking decisions for them
0: a year ago you you predicted that johnson would flounder under the weight of the premiership, which he certainly now seems to be doing. What are the specific weaknesses in his character which you think the pandemic has exposed, has almost accelerated as as seeing?
1: Well, first I'll I'll, I'll give you a a strength in his character. I, I, I think he's probably a genuine liberal uh, I don't think he actually likes governments bossing people around very much. So I I think that he hasn't in some ways been the right person to be prime minister d- during a crisis in in which really uh, the, the the big state had to boss people around. His weaknesses uh, are he, he's lazy. Uh, he, he doesn't read his briefing. He is not interested in the, the detail of things. He doesn't really care very much about people, I don't think. He's hes not, not what I, I would call a compassionate person. So he's having to pretend to be a schoolmasterly character when schoolmasterliness is far from his nature and when on the whole he doesn't do his own homework.
0: Do you think that was the reason for the, for the later lockdown? We locked down probably a week later than we could have done in order to minimise deaths, it's now been suggested. It was that, do you think, Johnson's influence, his reluctance to to uh, to put limits on people's liberty in that way.
1: Boris Johnson won't have been the only one resisting lockdown at the beginning, but he will have been the Prime Minister and he will have heard arguments between those in his cabinet who wanted a lockdown straight away and those who said, oh, this is just a serious kind of flu, it'll probably pass. We've panicked about things like this before and we, we, there's no point in panicking yet. And I, I think by disposition, he he will have been sympathetic to, to that those second voices. So to the extent that the Prime Minister made the final decision, and he certainly influenced it, his influence will have been on the side of, uh, hang on a bit and let's just see if this blows over.
0: I wanted to ask you about the rationale for keeping Dominic Cummings. When most people seem to think now that he should have been sacked. Um, what, what is behind that, do you think? Is it because Johnson is now so heavily dependent on Cummings or is it a, a, a more of a fear that Cummings knows where the, the bodies are buried and may not hesitate to, to spill the beans about that, to mix my metaphors? Or is it, was it just that he's, he really does need this man now and he can't imagine functioning without him?
1: I don't think there's a single explanation uh, for, for Johnson's loyalty, and he's not a naturally loyal person, his loyalty to, to Dominic Cummings. I think there are many reasons, and you've touched on one or two of them. Uh, one is, uh, he, he's not an original thinker. He's not a great thinker at all. He doesn't do detail. He depends, I think, implicitly on a, an, an advisor uh, like Dominic Cummings, but because on the whole civil servants are, are there to slow you down and tell you the difficulties about things. And he needs somebody to gee him up. And he likes to be geed up and he likes to sound geed up, but he lacks ideas. Cummings has ideas. He has confidence. He has certainty. And I think that uh, so- someone like Boris Johnson, who under the surface is not nearly as confident as he seems, really needs that, that I- emotional comfort blanket. Secondly, Boris is proud and I don't think he would like to be seen to have been forced into sacking one of his advisors. So there will just be an element of of pride there. Thirdly, uh, I I think that Boris will have understood uh, Dominic Cummings' response, which was just to get the hell out of London quickly, never mind the rules, bundle wife and child into the car and drive for safety. I, I think Boris will entirely understand that set of responses, and so will not have been personally deeply disapproving of what Dominic Cummings did, but all in all, by sticking so firmly to him right from the beginning, he, he, he then got himself into a situation where the loss of face, had he changed his mind and sacked Cummings, would have been terrific, and uh, for all I know, uh, Cummings could have uh, wreaked his revenge on Boris Johnson. Cummings's pretty contemptuous of the intellectual weakness of most politicians. He has worked closely with Boris Johnson. I think he could have been savage if he had been sacked.
0: One of the things that is always a paradox for me about Johnson is that he is fundamentally, as you say, he has liberal instincts. And yet, since he's become prime minister, the only things he's, that he's done have been very authoritarian, like proroguing parliament and relying on a single unelected Advisor and sidelining his cabinet, or installing, in you know, yes people to it, and how do we reconcile those things about Johnson? Because I can't really get to grips with them.
1: But part, partly those things are a sign of weakness rather than than strength. I, he's afraid of Parliament. He would be afraid of a cabinet of of equals. He he's he's always nervous. I think he suffers a little bit from imposter syndrome. And and so he, he his his instincts will always be to to try to sideline opposition or silence opposition and and um, anyone that's likely to make trouble to, to to somehow get rid of them. He doesn't like confrontation of any kind. But that doesn't mean that as a man he's he's not a a bit of a sort of live wild and free kind of person. He that that's the way he has lived his life. I I, I doubt whether he's changed. <music>
0: think he can survive what's coming up because we're going to see a big rise in unemployment which is unprecedented in 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 recent memory in in the UK and it's very hard for a government to survive how long do you do you give him really can he can he stay in charge
1: I would still give him at least an even, or perhaps slightly better than even, chance of uh, of carrying on to uh, 19, 19, 22, 20, 22. Um Things might the way things would go wrong would be if the Conservatives got into deep trouble in the opinion polls, and it became clear, uh, rather it did as it did at one point for, for John Major, and it it became clear that the the country was simply fed up um, with the. Conservative leadership, you would then find Conservative members of Parliament beginning to raise their heads above the parapet and the argument that if only we had a better leader, which is after all the argument that prevailed when they got rid of Theresa May, if only we had a better leader. um, In other words, the, the Parliamentary Conservative Party might panic and might ditch Boris Johnson. That that that's the only way I could see it happening. There will be rebellions. I mean we, we we may have a rebellion coming up over travel quarantine, or the Prime Minister may just about be able to buy that one off. There will be other rebellions and as his authority is nibbled away, and I think it will be nibbled away, his position will become more precarious. But I don't rule out his hanging on. He has a pretty good majority.
0: And if he does go, is there anybody in in the cabinet or elsewhere in the party, indeed, who could replace him?
1: I, w- I would say that that Jeremy Hunt, uh, whom he beat to the leadership of the party, but who put in a pretty solid uh, leadership uh, campaign and has been putting in a, a pretty solid COVID nineteen campaign as well. Uh, G- Jeremy Hunt is everything that Boris Johnson isn't. Jeremy Hunt is not exciting. Uh, he's he's not particularly bold. He's not rash. He's not colourful. Uh, he's well briefed. Uh, he's uh, patient. Uh, he he works hard. He understands his portfolio. All those qualities that uh, Boris is is lacking. We we may, as a country, be looking for someone with a little less charisma and a, a little bit more bottom, if that's the phrase.
0: Speaking of that I noticed uh, Jeremy Hunt was first up on his feet once uh, Johnson had had his exchanges with Keir Starmer today in PMQ. Well, how do you think Keir Starmer is doing? Is he I mean clearly you're, you're not a a Labour supporter but how do you rate his first his first uh, weeks in in office?
1: I think Keir Starmer has been better than I had expected. Uh, uh, he has always obviously been a a a man with a, a good mind, a, a, a steady nerve on the whole, uh, a middle of the road, moderate instinct. And, and and so one never thought he was going to be a car crash of a leader, but he, he'd always seemed to me a little bit timid. He always looked a bit as if he'd just seen a ghost. And I I, I, I did wonder <laughs> whether whether he would rise to this, but I think he has risen to it. The, the, the strength that he's displayed is also, a, I think, a a weakness that he needs to watch out for, you'll hear the word forensic whenever people describe the way he is handling things, the way he's handling prime ministers questions, the way he's handling issues, a forensic because everybody knows he's a lawyer and you know he was in charge of the uh, Crown prosecution service and and so forensic is as forensic does. You can sort of poke around at people, ask awkward questions, embarrass them make them squirm. You can do all those things, and he has been doing them, I think, to, to very good effect. But as the leader of the opposition, you do eventually have to burst through the ranks, come out in front, and set a direction. Whether he's going to be good at that or not, I don't know. But he's he's been decisive just recently, and Deciding to go for the government uh, for its uh, lack of caution in coming out of lockdown, instead of go for the government for its uh, reticence to come out of lockdown, the opposition could have gone for either of those, and uh, he's he's clearly made the firm decision that uh, if this de lockdown doesn't work, if there's a second wave, then his warnings will will sound uh, pretty sage advice, and if. Boris gets away with it and the the de-lockdown works okay and the relaxation works okay. I'm not sure anyone's particularly going to complain that the Labour Party were a bit nervous about it. So he's made a good political choice there.
0: Hmm. I wanted to ask you about the Brexit fallout, if you like, because although Brexit has officially happened, it hasn't really, really happened yet. But the divisions that it caused in society, I think, might have been on on perhaps, on the way to being healed perhaps. But but now actually we see an, an atomisation of society and we, we we have to avoid public transport, we have to homeschool our children, we can't go to the pub. Those areas in which we were meeting and talking to each other um, have, have been eroded and you see that also with, of course, elderly relatives. Many people have not seen their elderly relatives in person. One of the big divisions over Brexit was between older people and younger people how are we going to avoid slipping into an even more you know atomized version of ourselves as a society do you think i, I don't
1: don't think that atomization and we have a physical as atomization at the moment is is going to make very much difference to the the brexit argument um, the brexit argument spread uh, took wing took root really um, in, in cyberspace it it took root on social media it took root on the internet it it didn't have to consist of of great meetings of people and they're still all there the brexiteers but they're a little bit in abeyance. I think that this crisis might make a difference um in a a rather i'm i'm sounding almost um almost mystical here a rather mystical way when you get in to a great state about something you get your knickers into a twist about something it all gets on top of you it all seems impossible and you <laughs> you can't get anything into perspective uh, any longer a, a, a good shock sometimes helps to to, uh, to 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 helps you to to write the balance in your mind or simply turning away from what you're doing and facing some other big task that's urgent and has to be done then when you come back to the thing that was troubling you you realize you, you really got it all out of proportion. As we come back to Brexit, as we, we will later this year, I, I, I do wonder whether a, a lot of people for whom this had become absolutely central to their lives, now that they've faced this sort of near existential um, pandemic, and and uh, uh, complete changes to to the way everybody lives and operates. When they come back to, to to the old questions, they may look at the old questions a little more calmly. And I, to cut a long story short, I wonder whether a little of the fire may have gone out of the the Brexit cause. A little gone out of the the bellies of the the Brexiteers, and, and there may be a little more scope for for reaching a, a sensible compromise with the rest of the EU.
0: Let's hope so. Um, I do. Do you think society will change radically after this experience, or will we just all be so desperate to go back to normality that it is uh, it, things will carry on much as they did before? If it does change us, how how will it change us?
1: Well, certainly, a good way to to end. Uh... A newspaper column these days is with the old cliche, one thing is certain, uh, things will never be the same again. I I'd rather think that they'll get back <laughs> to something like normal. I, I Everyone's saying, oh, I, I, I was going to restaurants far too much. I realise you don't need to. Oh, we'll be back in restaurants. We'll be back in pubs. Um, people are beginning to miss the office a bit. There'll be, uh, I I imagine, a good deal more virtual working and and, um, video conferencing, just because a lot of us have learned how to do it and learned that you can do it that way. Uh, And I don't suppose people will be flying to New York for a meeting and then flying back again. But those changes will be fairly marginal. And I I would expect us to return more or less to life as we lived it before.
0: A comforting uh, thought for some, but not so much for (laughs) others. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, Matthew. Listeners, there's another Bunker Daily tomorrow, and don't forget our next live stream. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out how to sign up. We'll see you there.
1: The Bunker Daily was presented by Ross Taylor and produced by Andrew Harris. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold, and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tuned by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.